We walk around with the Gucci of bitterness. We walk around with the Chanel of unforgiveness. We walk around with so many different bags, bags of hurt and, you know, bags of why me and why, well, why not you? Why not me? You know, if Christ can go through it, why not me? He never said it was going to be a, a rose garden, but he allows it. And even with, if you walk through a garden of roses, you have to realize that even though the roses are beautiful, there are thorns on them. So every rose has some thorns. We are roses, but we all have thorns. We all have some things that picks at others or pick at ourselves. Hello, welcome to The Linda Mendable Show, where I take you behind the scenes with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, moms, working professionals, and amazing people pursuing their passions and going for their dreams. And I'm your host, Linda Mendable. Welcome to the show. Tyrone Barrington is a fashion industry expert, a former top model agent and now fashion producer and casting director. Tyrone has cast or produced for such clients as Avon, Revlon, Levy's, Target, L'Oreal Mercier, to name a few. I'm just name dropping, guys. He's worked with celebrities such as Kylie Jenner, Vanessa Hudgens, Lucy Hale, Ashley Green, Lauren Conrad, Kat Graham, Jamie Chung, Rosie Diaz, Tyson Beckford, Matthew Fox, and I can keep going on. He's the author of The Lord is My Agent, and he only takes 10%, as well as his second book, Bearing Souls in Fashion, both available on Amazon.com. He's also the president of MEEF, and MEEF Talks Events, a nonprofit organization that mentors teens and young adults entering the fashion and entertainment industry, as well as bringing awareness to issues such as FGM. And if you don't know what FGM is, FGM is female genital mutilation, and it's something that goes on in certain cultures. He's also bringing awareness to mental health and fashion. He's been featured on ABC Nightline, as well as in the NY Post and the Daily News, as well as numerous television series, including I Can Make You a Supermodel in Holland in the United Kingdom. Tyrone is such a beautiful, humble, amazing person. He is so cool. You're going to absolutely love and gain so much in his story and just the value that he offers. Hey, Tyrone, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. It's truly a blessing for me. It's more than a blessing for me. I am incredibly grateful. I read, you know, your bio and I was like, OMG, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm meeting a star. <laughs> yes. I saw you at the One Women's Walk Conference and I knew when I heard your story and just how open you were with your faith in front of like, I think there were hundreds of women in there. (laughs) (laughs) I had to connect with you. I did take you to the side. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I need to talk to you. And you were off. You were like, you're running off. Like, (laughs) 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 I know you were in a tight deadline. I'm sure. Yeah, Um, I was coming off from a, 
a cruise that I was speaking on. So I, I spoke to these young kids who wanted to be in the fashion industry. So I just come up this cruise and jump on the flight straight to the um, event there to speak again there. So I was a bit exhausted, but thank God he gave me the strength. Amen. And I know in the intro to the podcast, so I've already said, you know, I've already introduced you to our audience, but I want to know your story. Like, you know, take us back, Uh you know, to a place that you feel that would resonate not only to our audience, but also to the storyline that you particularly have. Where did you start? Like, where was that pivotal moment for you? And then continue on. Okay. Um, pivotal. Um, all right, I'll give you a quick synopsis of my life. I was born on an island, a beautiful island called Jamaica. So I was born in Jamaica. And um, even at a young age, I always felt that the world was incredibly big and that um, God had created this beautiful world and that I wanted to explore it. So I knew that. And so, you know, growing up in in such a multicultural family as I did and seeing so many of my family members living in different countries, I was used to seeing that. So I also, you know, I was born in Jamaica. I've lived in England. I've lived in Germany. I currently live between United States, Miami, New York and Paris. So I live between three different cities and stuff there. And um, I think... For me, when I was a teen, I was able to spot talents and used to be where even the Miss World or one of those pageants would come on and I would be able to choose, pick who were, who the girls who were going to win. It was really weird. You'd go, wow, you know, she has the potential to win. So I guess I had an eye for beauty and uh, what beauty would sell. And so... In high school, I, two of my friends who had literally dropped out of school, and then one day I saw them on, on the street, two girls, and, and they looked so totally different without not being in uniforms. And it so turned out they had started modeling. And so as the story goes, I decided I wanted to be an agent. So well, just like that? Just like... I wanted to go into business, but I also wanted to work in entertainment, but I wasn't sure which end. I knew not in front of the camera. I knew behind the scenes. I knew I always wanted to be behind the scenes. I'm not sure why, but that was always my thing. Just, you don't need to be up front. Be the one that orchestrates or will help others to shine. And that was it. And that was it. I decided, okay, I was going to be an agent. I'll... Didn't even know what that word meant, but um, just knew that I wanted to manage. And it just so happened that, you know, I, I was in New York and a friend of mine, a photographer, introduced me to an agency. And uh, they said, OK, you can work part time or you can come in and work. I didn't have much experience, but they gave me the opportunity. In England, the same thing. And um, likewise in Germany. So every step of the way, God was opening doors. So I guess if you really... Listen carefully to God. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but having when you start walking very close with the Lord, you start hearing and seeing signs of things that's leading you to another step, another level, stuff there. And that's what happened for me. You know, doors kept opening, and I'm not even sure what else to say. But you know, doors, great, 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 great doors kept opening. But okay, so when you say that you know, when you walk close to the Lord and things are opening up, would it open up in the sense of like, as soon as you need something or, you know, it will come or how would you see that? Like in your life? Cause I know I see it differently in mine. Yeah. In mine, 
whatever I need, it kind of like shows up like, Oh my yeah. gosh, that's exactly what I need. And, and there'll be like a, like a knowing, like, I got to go to this place. I don't know why, yeah. Yeah. but I got to do a U-turn and just go there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, what, that's the Holy Spirit. Mm. The Holy Spirit guides us. And sometimes we neglect the Holy Spirit because we just, um, we just get so caught up in things that we forget that the Holy Spirit is always within us, beside us, around us, whispering so softly and gently. You know, I always say that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman mm. or a lady. You know, it doesn't, it's not vulgar, it's not loud, it's just very silent and whispers in a soft voice or a nudge, go that way. Or, you know, and sometimes you think you're going in a certain direction and doors just block. That's the Holy Spirit sometimes protecting us from going into an area that would um, hurt us. Or he may say, not now. So it's that still voice, that's that, that wonderful presence that lives within us that just gently guides us. And that's what I felt in my life. And at first I didn't know that's what it was. But as I got older, I start realizing, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Because once you give your life to Christ, then the, the Holy Spirit just comes and lives within us. But I didn't understand that when I was very young. But now as I get older, as I'm getting older, I keep seeing and understanding. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. And but we don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit just, you know, speaks through us. Yes. Amen. That is so true. Like, especially in my life, I, I've definitely been seeing that. Okay, so you, now you're in New York City. So this is where, where you're at. You're seeing opportunities, doors. You're becoming an agent. What's happening here? What are you seeing? Where are we? <laughs> I'm envisioning everything. It's like okay. a story. My, my story is so funny. It's sometimes I laugh at it and people think it's, you can't make these stories up. Okay, so I'll tell you something. I was in England and um, uh, I had an opportunity to come to U.S to um, what's it called, to work at a, a summer camp. And so in England, all these friends were saying, oh, we're going to Camp America. So I said, really? And they said, yeah, they pay for your ticket, yada, yada, yada. You can come and you spend a summer being a camp counselor. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that then. So I applied and a bunch of us came and I went to a beautiful camp, Picometh, Maryland. And it was one of the most beautiful place where the presence of God, you could just feel the presence of God. It was in the woods and everything. And it was just so beautiful by a lake. But anyways, I, I just loved being with the, the campers. That at the end of the camp, they voted me most likely to become the best father or <laughs> all these things that they were just, they would give me the most difficult campers. But it was way God to orchestrate everything. So at the end of the camp, supposed to head back to England, Stopped in New York, had about, I think, three weeks or so before I could, or four weeks before I should depart back to England. I stopped at one of the model agencies. I'll never forget, it was Elite, the biggest agency in the world. Yeah, look at you. You go go big or go home. (laughs) You know, I knew one of the agents from London who had left England and had moved to the US and was working at Elite. And he said to me, I saw him and he says, what are you doing? I said, yeah, I'm going back to London. I'm going back to work in the agency that I was working at in London. And he says, why? He says, why would you even waste your time going there? You're not even making any money. (laughs) (laughs) Which was true. I was working as an agent. That's a good friend right there. (laughs) Well, he didn't know. He was planting seeds. (laughs) So... 
He says, um, for a fact, I was working as an agent plus working in a restaurant. So I'd go just to pay my bills. Gotcha. So I would work in the day in the agency and in evenings at 5, 5.30, go and work in a restaurant till midnight or three in the mornings. Worse on the weekends, you do double shifts in the restaurant just to be able to pay your bills. So he said, are you crazy? Don't go back. So I was like, okay. So I left there after that conversation, stopped at this other agency, which was only a few blocks away. And this gentleman, um, Ed Feldman, I'll never forget Ed, lovely little Jewish gentleman, very tall, about 6'3 or so. And Ed said to me, you know, Tyrone, what are you doing? And I told him the same thing. I went back to England. He says, uh, do you want to work in the meantime while you're waiting? I said, sure. He says, I said, I only have about three weeks or so. He says, okay, come and work. So I said, okay, at least I'll make some money before I go back to England. So I go to work and all of a sudden, after the, my time, the three weeks or four weeks was up, he goes to me, oh, I spoke with my attorney and they've um, extended your work visa. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, wow. work visa. I'm like, yeah, but I'm supposed to go back to England. He says, oh, you can stay. We've extended your work visa and stuff. Here. So I was like, okay. So I ended up staying. That's awesome. Yeah, but what happened is that that the agency was very commercial. Now, Ed had these little dodgy men that would show up. And there was one man in particular, he always dressed in black, this Italian guy. They used to joke and say he's part of the mafia. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if he really was. Was he? Um, (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Anyways, what happened is that after a year and a half, I think I decided to leave my own agency and decided to take a risk with this model, um, Adam Gershuni. I'll never forget Adam. Adam said, listen, let's open up our own agency. So we opened up in this little tiny place um, in a storage center in New York on 23rd Street. Why not? Right. We put on our money. So so the first day, I opened the agency, had three models, and I had my first job that day. I remember the model. She looked like Christy Turlington. She was a very short model, about five, six. But she looked like Christy Turlington. And what happened? Liz Claiborne booked her for two weeks of showroom. And I'm all excited that, oh, you know, Lisa is her name. Lisa's got a job. I got my first job, my first day and everything. And then the, a phone call comes in and it's Ed Feldman. Because when I left, he said to me, I hope you're not going to work for someone else. I said, no, I'm not going to work for someone else. Because you weren't. You were working for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, Tyrone, and Ed had this gruff voice. If you go to work for somebody else, I'm going to get you. And I was like, oh, Lord. So next thing you know, a phone call comes in and it's Ed. And Ed goes, I thought you said you weren't going to work for nobody else. I said, Ed, I'm not working for anyone else. I'm working for myself. And he said, don't mess with me. <laughs> and, everything like that. and he says, I want you to shut down the agency now and come back and work for me. What did you do? I said, hell no. I said, no, Ed, I'm not going to come back. And I'll tell you, for nearly three weeks, Ed and this girl called Rhonda, this Italian girl that I had trained when I was at Ed's agency, and they would call every day, sometimes four or five times a day, telling me no ends of bad words and telling me what they were going to do. They were going to break every kneecap and everything. And, oh, yeah, this went on for about three weeks. So I wouldn't even go outside to go home. I would call a friend to walk with me. Of course. train station because he would say, you know me, Tyrone, and I'm going to come out there and I'm going to break. I'm going to get my 
people to break your kneecap. Okay, so pretty much your story, your life story can be a movie, pretty much. It's, it's pretty much what you're telling me right here. But you know what's interesting thing is, to make this short, how I got Ed to stop calling, one day I was praying and I was like, this has got to stop. And next thing you know, I was praying about it, the phone rings and it's Ed. And he goes, so I'm telling you now, if you don't stop, if you don't stop the agency and come back today, this is what's going to happen to you because I know where you are. And I listened and then I said, Ed, everything that you just said has been recorded by the NYPD and the FBI. And all of a sudden I heard click. <laughs> <laughs> Was it really recorded though? I don't know. NYPD, You were slick. <laughs> I don't even know how that came out. But wow. it came out. And all of a sudden I heard click. And from that moment on, I never heard from Ed again all these years. Never yeah. heard from him again. And sometimes you have to, look, David acted like a fool. You know, there's one point in the Bible where David just acted like a fool because he didn't want people to realize that he was about to do. Sometimes you have to act a fool or say things. And I didn't plan to say that. It just came right out. Yeah. And that's what happened. Now, that goes on to say, I was able to be blessed by having the agency. I had my first star model, a male model named Matthew Fox, who's now a big movie star. And Matthew Fox came in and all of a sudden, I didn't want to represent guys. And this young man came in and asked me, he said, please, can you represent me? And I was like, okay, did it. Turned out Matthew became a big movie star later on. Um, Nicole Murphy, Eddie Murphy's wife, was one of the first models I had. Wow. And, you know, it just, God kept opening doors. And I had the agency for nearly three and a half years. And when the recession came in the early 90s, like many agencies, my agency, we had got broken into about four times within like a four or five month period. Later on, we found out it was one of the models that we, male models that we had represented who had literally, who was going in and breaking into the agency, had his cousins come in and break in and stuff there. And, you know, it was God's way of saying, shut it down, shut it down. And then I end up at um, the next agency, Bethan, and God opened greater, greater doors and from there on, I would just ask the Lord to guide every step of the way. And he would just keep sending all these models, these models who became famous to this day. A lot of these models are quite are big arsehole names and stuff there. But each day I would write in my notebook a prayer to the Lord. And I would say things like, dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be an agent. Thank you for the opportunity to work with these models and please protect them as they go out on their castings or on their jobs, you know, guide and protect them. And those were simple prayers, but it became effective. And Yes, obviously. Yeah, the models were blessed and protected and stuff there. So that happened. And as I said, things just kept progressing. And today I produce for all these clients, you know, God has blessed me to work, cast and produce for Target, Levi's, Avon. Revlon, the list goes on and on and with all these celebs, you know, everyone. So I'm thankful to God, you know, just being obedient. Amen. And if I can be so bold, like how did you make these connections? You know, I know God was leading you, but it's also you doing the work, you know, faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So how would you make these, these connections with these big names? I mean, you've worked with Kylie, you've worked with... Lauren Conrad, he worked with, you know, so many big names here, you know. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it has nothing to do with me. That has to do with 
God again. You know, it it comes down to God's favor. You favor know. ain't fair. That's what yeah, they say. It has nothing to do with me because when God favors you, He opens so many doors that you're going to even be more baffled to when you're obedient. And I'm still learning a lot about obedience because don't think it's been an easy journey that I was Mr. Perfect Goody Two-Shoe doing everything that God says. There are a lot of times I was so ignorant and so disobedient that, you know, the beauty okay. When Okay, because I'm dealing with a moment right now too. So when you say when you were disobedient, how did you bounce back from that moment? Because, you know, I'm sure that you felt like the shame and you're like, God, please help me in this situation. You know, what did you tell yourself? Because one thing I'm telling you is like, well, God still loves me. That's one thing that I say to myself. We do make, yeah, because we do make mistakes. We don't always, yeah, we don't always hit the mark, you know? And so how did you bounce back from those moments? You just have to remind yourself that, you know, the minute you ask God for forgiveness, he just wipe it away. You see, what we do is the guilt. We carry around. And what I always say to people is that we have a tendency to travel with so many baggages. And these bags are so expensive and heavy. We walk around with the Gucci of bitterness. We walk around with the Chanel of unforgiveness. We walk around with so many different bags, bags of earth and, you know, bags of why me and why, well, why not you? Why not me? You know, if Christ can go through it, why not me? He never said it was going to be a, a bed of a rose garden, but he allows it. And even when, if you walk through a garden of roses, you have to realize that even though the roses are beautiful, there are thorns on them. So every rose has some thorns. Yeah, I, all of us, we're roses. But we all have thorns. We all have some things that picks at others or pick at ourselves. Yeah, I like the parable that Jesus talks about, you know, that, you know, where the different seeds were thrown and and where they were growing up in, you know, some were in good soil. Some allowed the hardships of life to kind of just squash their fruit and dry them up. Yeah. So, Katie's baggages. Let's yeah. say I got the Gucci on of her. I got the, you know, the Chanel. <laughs> the Birkins. Yeah, the Birkins. Let's say, I'm, let's say I'm traveling and I'm taking all these bags. Uh-huh. What can I do to unload these bags? I think we carry them because we're trying to do God's work. We, instead of saying, you know what, this is not my load. It's not my load to carry. The minute Christ went on the cross... He took all our sins, all our shame, all our guilt, and all our fears. Everything that we, every bag that we came with, God took it and he threw them away. He erased them as if they were never, ever there. What we're good at is reminding ourselves about the bags that we carry. Even though God has already taken those bags away and he said, that's too expensive for you to carry. I will carry that burden for you. I will carry that bag because that bag is heavy. You have a choice. You can either believe him, trust him, and walk with him, or what we can do is try and do it ourselves. And that's our ego. Our ego tries to do God's work. Now, you reach a point, and I've reached a point in my life to say, you know what, I'm quite stupid. You know, God doesn't say I'm stupid. But I know that I am not smart enough or great enough to do God's work. So the most important thing for me to do is say, you know, let go and let God do his will. And the bags, if we just, you know, when you travel, sometimes you just need to, when you check the bags in, 
Mm. Check them in at the airport. But when you arrive at your destination, don't pick them up. <laughs> Just leave them. Just leave them there. Leave them. Because we tend to carry them everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we carry them everywhere. And you go into a new relationship and we carry those bags of past relationships, past hurt and all that sort of stuff there. And, you know, we carry the things of, you know, well, I, I did this 20 years ago. God knows you, you did it 20 years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Can you change it? No, let it go, you know? And the thing that sometimes hurts us is that when people, and even people in the church, when they come and bring up your story, and they love sometimes to bring up your past, it's past for a reason. Pass by it. Let it go. People love to bring up your past because for them, they don't want others to shine light on their issues. Because everybody's got issues. Mm-hmm. Not one of us are perfect, right? So if we can learn to let go of the past, and when someone brings up your past, you can just stop them and say, you know what, I can't remember that. So since I can't remember it, can we just let God deal with it? Because from my last recollection, he said he's already taken it. Got you, yeah. And so you have to remind yourself to, if you're going to remind others, you've got to remind yourself that he's already taken it and he took it to the cross with him. So why are we going to dig up what's at the cross? It's like digging up a buried body. body. It smells. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That is the truth. You know, sometimes we think that we need to be punished, right? That we need to dwell in it, that we need to hurt in it. And, you know... That's the only way. But you're right. It's about letting it go and trusting and believing that he's already taking care of well, taking care of it. The enemy is very good at reminding you of your past. And he will use good people to remind you of your past. Because he's a slick willy. You know, he's, yeah. you know, he finds way. The snake, you know, he finds way to slither into our lives and remind us of things. But we have to keep reminding ourselves who our father is, who was our daddy. And, you know, I always when I joke about it, I said, I've got the greatest baby daddy in the world. <laughs> so if I've got the greatest baby daddy in the world, the greatest God, the greatest ever being, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he calls me son. I am an heir. And that means that whatever he has also belongs to me. So why am I acting like a bastard? I'm bringing up my past and my issues when my father, think about it, Queen Elizabeth, you know, she's not going out and say her nephews and nieces, uh, Prince Harry and Prince Charles and all those people that she knows their issues, but she's not going out there reminding them of their issues. And those kids know that their grandmother is one of the richest women in the world. They're not acting as if they're bastards. Now, our father who created Everything in this world was greater than Queen Elizabeth, and we act as if we're bastards at times. And if we only sit back and say, wait a second here, my father created all this, and everything that's in it belongs to me, because as a good father, he's going to give me all good things. Like the parable son? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So we're here now. Your story, we closed down the agency. Uh-huh. By certain trials and tribulations. Uh-huh. And now we're at a different agency. Uh-huh. What's going on here now? <laughs> agency, you know, it's amazing because even with the success of my own agency, and I had really great success, 
afterwards, it was hard to get a job because it was during the recession and most agencies were not hiring anyone. Bethann took a chance on me, Bethann Artisan, she took a wonderful chance on me and I believe it was divine because the Lord allowed her to open the doors for me and literally give me an opportunity. She needed help at that time and I didn't even realize it, but I was so grateful that I decided that I was gonna work 10 times harder to make sure her agency was a success. And God honored me and I would work really late, I would do whatever it took, I would come in on the weekends at times just to work hard to make sure. And, and the fruit of the labor, it paid off, you know, and they became extremely successful. And after four years, was having a hard time paying bills because, you know, I was trying to be, to do work very hard for it, but I knew I was not being paid much. And most top agents at that time were making six figures and I was not even halfway to a small, you know, it, I couldn't even yeah. pay bills, right? Yeah, so yeah that's, that's, when it's that's a difference. <laughs> exactly. And then I was getting all these offers. So many offers were coming in because I was doing so great as an agent. Offers were coming in, but because Bethan had opened the doors for me, I felt an obligation to stay. Okay. I like this part. I like this part because a lot of us feel this. You know, we see someone has helped us, yeah. you know, in our journey. You know, we almost feel like, you know how those old time when someone saves your life, and you're like, yeah. I shall follow you the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I am indebted to you for my whole life. I shall follow you. And they have a sidekick that follows them. But, you know, there's a moment that we have to kind of let go. Yes. Right? But how how did you do it? Yeah. It took me a year and a half to do it. Nearly nearly two years. Okay. Okay. Uh, Now I have a question. uh I want to go in depth into this because this is hard. This is a hard part, right? So it took you a year and a half. Yeah. Two years. Almost two years. Yeah. Do you regret those two years? Do you no. think you should have done sooner? Do you think well, it was perfect? No, no, I didn't, I didn't dwell on it. I knew, you know, I knew God was saying to me, okay, it's time to move on. I knew I was having a hard time. And it was really hard because at that time, my grandmother had died and I couldn't help pay for a funeral. And that's when it really hit me that, you know, I'm working hard. The agency's making money. And I'm not being compensated properly. And even though we're bringing in a lot of money, the models were making money, the models were becoming stars and stuff there. And I felt I was promised. I was promised a partnership in the company. And I felt, okay, I'll stay on. Because when I first gave notice two years prior, I was promised a partnership. And then the promise just kept going. Okay. So that was it there. But I think when I finally made the decision, it was that moment where I was promised something else. I was told it was going to come within a three-week period. And at that period, I wrote these series of checks. And when the time came, what was promised wasn't given. And I think there was a miscommunication between the accountant and Bethan and stuff there, you know, so I figured that's what it was. But at that moment, when I started incurring all those bank charges... That's when I said, no, I can't do this anymore. And um, I got up one day and by faith, I remember it was a Friday evening and one of the agencies that were trying to get me, I got up at around 6 p.m. a Friday evening and I said, okay, this is my last day at this agency. And I walked, went next door, I mean, to the next agency and walked in and they were like, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm going to start working on Monday here. 
Now, mind you, the last offer they made to me probably was about eight months before. But I decided at that point, I would rather work for free than to stay. Wow. And I decided I was going to just go out there and I'm going to show these people that if I can make millions of dollars for these people, I can make millions of dollars for you too. So I walked in and they thought I was joking when I said, oh, I'm going to start working on Monday. And they're like, you're crazy. We don't believe you. But Monday morning I showed up. Didn't know how much I was going to get paid. Didn't care. I was just going to go to work. And I walked in. The boss was in Florida at that time. Hold on. I always say you have massive confidence. Okay, continue. So, so <laughs> continue. <laughs> yeah, so I, I walked in the Monday morning. I said I just didn't care. I was willing to work for free. Because at that time, I'd already just put myself in debt. So why not just go work for somebody else? Whether they get paid or not. So I thought, you know what, make a change then. That, but I, I also showed your passion, though, for what you do. Yeah, and you've got to believe in yourself because you've got to believe that God gave you the gift. And so I believed God and I went in and they said to me that Monday, I didn't know how much I was going to be making, I think, until the Thursday or Friday or maybe the following week. I don't remember. But it wasn't immediately. Uh, immediate. It wasn't at all. I just said, you know, I didn't care. I was just going to go work. And that day I walked in. And I started working and never looked back and became the top agent in that agency, bringing in millions of dollars. Congratulations. And, uh, <laughs> and they started to pay me double what I was being made at the previous agency. Okay, so I have a question. So how did you break the news to the previous agency? You know, because oh, I did tell them, you know what's strange enough, because three weeks before I left, I had said to them, listen, I can't do this anymore. I can't pay my bills. So I'd warned them three weeks before. I said, I'm giving you notice. I'm giving you three weeks notice. And they said, no, you know what? We're going to give you this X, Y, Z amount of bonus. So please stay on. Don't forget, we're going to give you a partnership and yada, yada. So I basically had given notice, mm. not knowing what I was going to do. But when that third week was up, I was still hoping that they were going to give what they said they were going to give. Because if they had given it to me, I would have stayed. Got you. But God knew best. He knew, you know what? They're not going to give you anyway. Don't believe it. Just go on. Yeah. And I did. And, you know, as I said, the next week I was working at the other agency and next thing you know, my salary doubled. Wow. And next thing you know, after, about a year later, I'd, one of the things that I put in my contract, I said, because they said to me they couldn't afford to pay me what they knew I was worth. And I said, I don't care. At least I'm getting double. So now yeah. I'll give you double for your trouble, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, I put in a contract, which is something I've always done. I'm a very careful con contract. I said, I just want to make sure that nobody else is making more money than me. Mm. So I wrote that in the deal and they signed it. And they said, nobody's making any more money than you. And I asked them over three times. So I always try to make sure I ask minimum three times to be sure that I'm hearing correctly. And they said, nobody else is making it. Well, a year and about three months, four months, nearly a year and a half later, I found out they sent me a breakdown of my earnings and stuff. But what happened, the accountant sent also a breakdown of everybody's salary by mistake. <laughs> so, and then I saw one of the agent was making far more money than I was. I literally, I called him up and I was very calm. I'm always, I usually do things very calmly. And I said, uh, can you double check and make sure, let me know that nobody else is making more money than me. And they said, no, nobody else is making more money. Are you sure about this? Nobody's making more. 
are you sure? And I do my three times over to say, sure. Then I made another phone call. Are you sure? Because mm. I said, listen, I know someone else is making more money than I am. And I find that this behavior is unacceptable. And I'm not going to continue working on that premise there because you were not truthful. Wow. And then they flew me to Florida and um, where the headquarters were and tried to offer me, when they found out, um, I said, I know how much X, Y, Z is making. And then they said, well, sorry, we're going to pay you the same. No, when we paid more than that person. (laughs) I'm bringing in, I'm paying their salary. The earnings I was bringing in was paying every single agent's salary. Gotcha. So I felt if I'm, Booking to cover everybody's salaries and paying the rent and paying the accounting and paying everything, I should be compensated fairly. So I shouldn't be paid on the same level as someone who's not bringing in the same amount. So that's what happened. And um, I negotiated it, got far more. And then I started realizing my value and my worth. And um, from so that there, was the moment that you realized, like, man, you know. Well, it's basically from the first, from being at the other agency, I realized, you know. They were, the owners were making money that they were able to buy so many different properties. And I don't want to say maybe it's of the earnings we're bringing in, but obviously we're bringing in a lot of money. And they were always on vacation, always traveling. And I'm carrying the weight of the agency as if it was my own. So from there on, I started saying, you know what, no more of this. I'm going to be paid fairly and not going to allow myself to be taken advantage of again in that light there and that's what I did and um, I've done that every step of the way so far you know and mind you I've done work for little or nothing I've worked for free yes yes but, yeah but no. <laughs> choice, I, when I do that you know <laughs> yeah it's a difference it's a difference it's knowing your worth and and knowing your value and basically asking for it. being bold enough a lot of people you know this podcast a lot of entrepreneurs also listen to this podcast and so I think a lot of entrepreneurs deal with pricing issues, you know, asking their worth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, asking for their worth and knowing that they can ask for their worth. Yeah. I think we all have, we suffer from that. I, I've dealt with that in the last couple of years where people come to me for consulting on how to get their kids in the fashion industry. And I always felt uncomfortable to charge what I know other people who never even got to the level that I got to were charging. And a good example, I did an event once in, New- in Miami and twice in New York or three times in New York, where I thought, okay, I would charge a cheap rate to get parents to understand how it is to get into the business, their kids into the business, and people want to get in the fashion industry, what it takes to get in. So I decided I brought all these top people who were working for Vogue and with casting directors who had done work with all these big clients and all that stuff there. And I would speak at the stuff there and then realize I was charging between $75 and $149 and people wouldn't pay to come for it. And then I started going to these events where they were charging between $5,000 and $11,000 and didn't have anyone close to who I was bringing to my events. And they were sold out. And so here it is. I'm charging something that I'm thinking it's affordable for a parent between $75 and $149 or so. And yet you can't get 20 people to sign up. And yet someone is charging $5,000 to $11,000 per person to attend and they have 2,000 people showing up. And then uh, so two marketing people, 
more than two, said to me, Tarun, because people's mindset is this, if you charge something too cheap, it may not be good. So if you charge it far more, people value it more. Yeah. Interesting. So let's do a, an event together. <laughs> oh, I will be this year. Because I thought, you know, well, after all these years doing these things for cheap, I stopped it. I stopped it a couple of years ago and I said, no, the next event I do, I'm going to charge my work. Because most of these, when I go to these events and I see these agents, most of them have never even done Vogue in their life. I've done Vogue over and over and over. I've done every contract you can name from Gucci, Versace, Calvin, Ralph Lauren, everything down. And I've done, you know, work with some of the biggest clients in the world, biggest photographers in the world. And then you figured, okay, I'm going to make it affordable for people and they don't see the value. So I learned people's perception is based on how expensive it is. So now the next event, which we're planning for the summer, yes, it won't be 149. <laughs> sure not. <laughs> oh man. Well, this is very insightful. I actually did a, an event last year. You know, I partnered with a, like we did a fashion show. We did a workshop for uh-huh. marketing. And then the next day was a fashion show for local fashion enthusiasts and people that are in the fashion industry and well you know trying to get it up get it started not as deep as you're in you're right and i and you know i was blessed enough to have a few people come in i started at 189 um and full price was 350 like if you yeah. if you didn't make the early bird but now perhaps i should do a thousand yeah <laughs> i'm serious because you know i thought in fact that's what i was speaking to a business consultant a few weeks ago and she was um said to me do your event this year but make sure you do it where it's more costly. Don't do it for so cheap because they're not going to value it. And it, you'd rather get 100 people who are going to pay your work than gotcha. to bring in uh, you know, 20 people who are going to pay you $149 or $75. It was shocking for me because my first event, I bought a Vogue cover girl, the first event. We had an editor from Vogue. We had... Wow. And all these mounted agents. Wow. And we were charging $75 in Miami and couldn't fill the, uh, the space. The, yeah. the space was so empty. Wow. $75. It cost me, I lost so much money flying all these people in because I wanted to give the value. Yeah. And couldn't do it. So now I thought, you know what? No, never again. I tried it in New York and got even the top kids agents to show up. And interestingly enough, the first event we did, we had about 20 people and parents with their kids. And of those 20 parents and the kids that showed up, about 15 of them got signed with the top agencies in New York. And those were parents who went to one of the events I went to before that was charging up to $11,000 and never got signed because none of those top agents were there. Wow. And, so, and then these well, kids, people that are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'm bringing value. Yeah. You've got to see your value and know your worth. And that's what I have to, that's what I'm doing this summer. Looking at that's my, what I'm going to be doing t- this yeah. year. <laughs> You've got to do the same. Yeah. <laughs> Partner up and do something later on down there. <laughs> Amen. Well, I definitely. It's all to God's hands, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all in God's hands. And I'm already going to dub you one of my friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Likewise>. <laughs> Tyrone, where can people find you? Yes. Um, two things there. I'm going to, as I said, we shared earlier, I'm going to do a podcast called Dear Agent. 
Amen. Agent podcast for people interested in the fashion industry. We'll be speaking to top professionals in the industry about making it and their steps in getting it. I can't wait to listen to it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I have two books out. My first book called The Lord is My Agent and He Only Takes 10%. It's a good read. It's funny. It's quirky. It's about my journey in the fashion industry. And where can people find that book? On Amazon? Amazon, yeah. Amazon.com. And the second book that just came out, it's called Bearing souls in fashion and it's a a kid's book for adults mm. that kids can also read it's all colored um, it's um, drawings and it's all these fashionable characters with their bags that they carry around with so nice <laughs> for the cover of anything you can't carry bags you know so i've got those but they can always reach me through email tyrone t-y-r-o-n at barrington b as in boy a-r-r I-N-G-T-O-N-M-G-T.com. So it's Tyron at BarringtonMGT.com. I'm also on Facebook, Tyron Barrington, and I'm also on uh, Instagram at Ty Barrington. So you can always reach me there and stuff there. So one last thing before we get off, I just want to say if we would just trust God with all our heart and trust the Holy Spirit to guide us, God will open the windows of heaven and he will pour us out blessings that we can never, ever fathom. And I'm a living testimony of that because along the way, and I can share quickly in 2003, the height of my career, I felt God said to me in 2002, walk away from being an agent. And I had no idea what I was going to do next. Mind you, I was doing every Vogue out there, every Gucci, every Versace, every Chanel, everything. And I was in the Dominican Republic, the Thanksgiving and the Christmas, and I felt God said, time's up, walk away from this. And I told some friends that were there with me in the Dominican Republic that I'm going to walk away from the business. And they kept saying, what are you going to do next? I had no idea. And in January, I went back to the agency and I figured I'm going to give myself six months before walking away, at least save some money. And when I walked in the first day, I had no peace. Wow. Because God had said to walk away. And I kept hanging on. And the first week of February at a staff meeting, my boss came in and he was on something. He's a French guy. He was on something. I don't know what kind of stuff he was, substance he was on. But he was running around like a squirrel. And I, we were in the staff meeting. I felt he was just saying things that were not nice about the agents. And I felt God was saying to me, how much longer are you going to sit here and let people disrespect you? That's still voice. Yeah. He said, he will, yeah, he will speak directly to you. Yeah, yeah. how much longer? And at that moment, I said, ah, okay, God, that's why you were telling me in December to walk away. I said, okay, Lord, tomorrow I'm going to give my notice. And I went in the next day and I gave notice. And they actually had a 10% ownership contract ready to give to me of the agency. And I said to them, no, I'm walking away from it. And I walked wow. away from my major six-figure job. That day, I gave notice, and three weeks later, I left the industry. And at the last day I left, the following day, I was on a flight to Brazil. I sat on the beach and talked to God. And look, today, months after I walked away, God opened the door. I became a casting director in 2008. So for between 2003 to 2008, God had blessed me with Target, Levi's, L'Oreal, and all wow. these things. I was doing all the castings for Carter's Kid, um, all these hopscotch, bigosh, whatever. And I was doing all those castings and all these kids' castings for Target and Levi's to and for everyone. And in 2008, he said, leave everything, shut down everything and go to a place I'll show you. And I end up in Miami 
and then became the casting the, the producer for Avon, Avon Mag. And then I started producing for Revlon and all these guys, Scunchy, Conair, and all these people there. So when you're obedient to God, he will make ways in the desert. He will open doors when you think there are no door openings. And I'm a living proof. And now he's even taking me to another level of what he's going to show. He's showing me what next is to come. So he takes us from glory to glory to glory to glory. If we only listen and be obedient, he will make way for us in those deserts. So to God be the glory. Thank you so much for blessing us with your story. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'll see you next week and keep going for your dreams. Keep making it happen. Keep moving forward. Failing isn't failing unless you don't get back up. So, so get much back for up. your story. Try you again for a blessing. and you'll find success Not- each time. This is Linda Mendeville. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in.